0: game
1: begin
2: hi and welcome to episode 10 of Gum nerd to podcast for family first fanboy fun i'm your host andrew and joining me today are my fellow dad zach
1: mike oven and meloni
3: aaron hey guys zach took my line
2: <laughs> and brett hey i'm just gonna say hello well, gentlemen, okay. we are now in two double digits. Woo, woo. Ooh, That's right. Double. That's correct. This is episode 10 of dadgum nerds. So one zero. Yeah. I'm super excited for that one. Well, it's time to make good on our promise and finally tackle some Lord of the Rings material. Yeah, uh, yes. In particular, we're going to be talking about the upcoming Lord of the Rings streaming series being produced by Amazon. So right. that's going to be part of our discussion today. But first, before we do anything. Wanted to give uh, Zach, you and Kevin a quick shout out. Uh, you guys did a guest appearance on a podcast, right. didn't yep.
1: you? That's right, uh, Cine Realists. So Kevin's got a long time buddy named James, and they invited us to come on their episode four hundred and forty two. So uh, they're they're a little bit further. Down the road than we we're, are. We're, we're well, coming for you. We're we're catching up. But uh anyway, they they invited us on and we rate and review the movie Bill and Ted Face the Music. So uh, <laughs> oh, wow. it, uh it it was uh most illuminating, dude. But uh we had we had fun. <laughs> so uh do them a favor, go check out Cinnerealists. Uh they they're a good podcast, good buds.
2: Mm, most cool. excellent podcast, yes. Cool. Well, before we go into our topic for today, anything happened to you guys in dad life this week?
1: Oh, do I have a story? So <laughs> I am calling this Oh boy, this is gonna be good. The Pooh Pocalypse. Oh boy. <laughs> oh so my <laughs> wife on, Meredith was singing at church on Sunday. So I was on row and duty at home. So we're we're live streaming. So I uh, I had just changed a giant poo. At like 950. This is very important for this story because this child had already generated an ungodly amount of poo. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking edges of diaper poo. Oh man. 15 Nearly minutes later, 15 minutes later, we start watching church. Five minutes into the sermon, Rowan looks up to me and goes, Wah, wah. And I'm confused because that's he normally does that when either he wants water or he sees water. And I'm like, <laughs> Do you want water? He shakes his head no. Uh, Buddy, there is no water in here. I don't know what you're talking about.
3: Oh, I feel like there was water there. Well,
1: not even a minute after that, he walks up in front of me and I see a giant poop blob on his foot (laughs) tracking across the carpet. Uh. (laughs) I then spring off the couch, grab him to try to prevent any more poop prints all over our carpet. And I see (laughs) that his wah was a tiny lake of pee that he had just deposited all over our entryway carpet (laughs) so he had blown out his diaper out his left leg it had deposited into this giant mound like jurassic parks (laughs) triceratops mound on our entryway carpet and that's why he was going wah (laughs) and so i i'm like oh my gosh and the sermon is going on about like patience or something and so i like rush into the kitchen sink and i i just douse his lower half trying to like why is it still coming i just changed this (laughs) and so meanwhile he's going wah wah thinking it's now bath time I'm like, I can't put this child on the floor because he's just going to go play in his own pee. So I (laughs) stick him in his high chair and he starts screaming because he's like, it's not time to eat. Why are you doing this, father? (laughs) And so meanwhile, I'm trying to like get eye level on the floor to see where's the pee because it's like kind of see, you know, it's see-through. So I'm like, okay, where's he pooed? It's on the carpet. Ah!" And so I'm like, where's the Clorox wipes? So 30 minutes later, and I mean, he's screaming. My pastor is on the screen going like, and now to bring it all together. And I'm like, just oh, shut up. I need to get this poo off the carpet. <laughs> and so when it was all said and done, the sermon is over and Meredith comes home. and was like, so how was church? I was watching the church. <laughs> and I was like, well, do I've got a story for you? So that was my Sunday poo apocalypse.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh, man. That's one for the books.
3: Well, I can't, Golly. I, I cannot top that, but, uh, earlier this week I was getting Cameron ready for, for school in the morning. He's, you know, he's three years old, so it, it's not, you think, okay, we're going to get up and out the door in 20 minutes. And that absolutely never, ever happens despite <laughs> yeah. your best, best try. And it was one of those mornings that I was like, I've got to get to work. I've, I, I'm ready, you know, tie and jacket on ready to go. And and he's he's dragging a little bit and I was getting a little impatient, not harsh, but certainly impatient. And he turns to me and in the most just grown up, mature voice, he goes, Daddy, it's going to be OK. Let's calm down. Let's <laughs> calm down. <laughs> hand, hand motion and everything. And in that moment, I was just like, you know what, bud? You're absolutely right. <laughs> uh, it was Cameron. Just, he, he had it. He was right. He was right. And it was one of, it was just, it was a good moment. It was actually a really good moment. It was a, it was a good lesson for me and some, some great insight for him. Oh, wow.
2: <laughs> the student has become the master. <laughs> Dr. Cameron on the case.
3: Well, I don't know if I can
4: top any stories of those two calibers. However, um, part of dad life is also dealing with uh with your wife uh the mother of your children that is indeed correct and i'm i don't think anyone really warned me just how much an incoming child would tax my wife's mental faculties mm-hmm. um i think they call it pregnancy brain is that right that and is so, oh prego brain is 100% a thing. right man so we were watching something uh, uh, some documentary style thing and about Europe and how they had made these piers and docks and how they'd imported them into this bay. And, and Sounds so thrilling. So, well, wow. it was just one small <laughs> portion of it. And Jess, oh, just turns to me, <laughs> Jess turns to I me. I can't wait. And she goes, they imported the water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, sweetheart they no, they did not <laughs> they they did not import the water from one part of the ocean to another part of the ocean well i mean they could have,
1: if it was a liquidation
4: ah, uh, yeah uh. <laughs> anyways being pregnant and uh trying to think don't go hand in hand sometimes it, it just i she's a trooper she deals with it every day good for her oh, gosh well guys we need to get to our discussion so let's do this
2: thing <laughs> All right. Today's discussion question we are going to tackle is uh, about Amazon's Lord of the Rings show. Obviously, we're kind of going to do this in a few phases, though. Um, But before we talk about the whole Lord of the Rings thing, we kind of wanted to answer the question of what distinguishes Lord of the Rings from other fantasies that are out there. Um, What are some core characteristics of the Lord of the Rings franchise? Is that the right word for it?
3: yeah series, it's a franchise world. at this point but i yeah yeah world uh kind of universe if you will
2: well aaron take it away i mean oh, you are the aragorn hype man so. i am
3: i am i am <laughs> right, here to hype lot. it again um, and I just want everyone to know I have a copy of the Silmarillion and a copy of the Unfinished Tales sitting here on my desk right here in case we need to double check. Oh, the anything.
2: Unfinished Tales. Yeah, I've got oh, zero dear. surprises.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so, yeah, what what does distinguish Lord of the Rings from other other fantasies? And I think a better question is what distinguishes other fantasies from Lord of the Rings? Because mm. Lord Ooh, of the Rings. Geez. That's so deep. Tell us it, more, well, Professor Aaron. It, well, Lord of the Rings is the archetype. It is the blueprint for modern high fantasy. Tolkien was the one who took these ancient tales of, you know, Authorian tales and things like that have been around for a long time and created something um for for his day and age that is that has endured for for decades and decades since. Um it, set the norms that had been followed for a very long time and everything from world building to, uh, stereotypes around different characters and creatures like elves and dwarves. And it wasn't until mm. really relatively recently that other fantasy authors or other mediums like video games or, or, or movies, um, that tried to kind of move away from that. I mean, when you think about elves in high fantasy, you think about them as these uh very almost angelic beings and these mm-hmm. these very noble beings very wise and and Tolkien was the one who kind of laid that out same for dwarves right you think of them as these kind of grizzled mining um not as noble um and that endured and you see that in fantasy outside of Tolkien for for decades
4: yeah it's um, almost like they're trying to copy lord of the exactly. rings exactly i mean yeah.
3: everything it 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 is one of those things that authors again whether it's in novels or movies or video games are hard pressed to not be accused of just copying what Tolkien did because because he did it
2: it's because it's the standard it
3: is he set the standard and he did it in a way that is so deep and so far reaching that you are hard pressed if you're trying to come up with something original in high fantasy um Again, not to be accused of copying what Tolkien did, because what he laid out was so expansive, and that's the other thing that I think makes Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings, is it is so expansive, right? And mm-hmm. even just the Lord of the Rings trilogy, or or the War of the Ring, as it's called, is but a fraction of a fraction, mm-hmm. um, and it's what most people are familiar with. But like I said, you know, I have a fi- unfinished tales in the Silmarillion here, and even those do not cover everything. Um, yeah, from I the mean, creation Lord of, the Rings- of- Lord of the Rings is most
1: people the know it, age, yeah. Would be like saying World War II was American history. It'd be like,
3: no, 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 that or American like, history was world history. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's even better America. now. <laughs> it's just it is a blip. So, anyways, I, I think, uh, we could go on and on about it, but to me, that's what Lord of the Rings is. It set the standard, and it set an extremely high one to what high fantasy is. And keep in mind, he wrote this in the fifties. The Hobbit was written even yeah, it's earlier.
2: Remarkable, than that.
3: and it is endured that long. And there's many, many people who have tried to copy it, and nothing. And many people have tried to top it, and it cannot be done.
4: Well, I think, and a, a, what you're talking about is spot on because it it surpasses just imagination. It actually goes into philosophy and sociology to mm-hmm. where it doesn't just set fantasy archetypes. It plays upon actual archetypes from history and from the world as we know it today, especially in the Western world. Mm-hmm. And so you could go out throughout almost any historical event, pull a car- pull a person from that historical event and say, you know what? This person is probably most like, say, Legolas or Aragorn or Saruman or whatever, because it fits that. It fits that archetype. And, you know, Disney does this very well, too. And it's what got them so popular. And it's what resonates with so many people is because they made stories around archetypes. Uh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't just fit the the high fantasy archetypes. It goes across the entire world, I think, especially the Western Hemisphere.
1: Well, right. and, and it was a world that y- you both have touched upon this, but it was fully fleshed out. It wasn't just here's a single storyline that I yeah. created just enough of a world to fit. Like (laughs) he created languages. I mean, the man was a philologist and wrote not just the language, but several different dialects of that language. Like you can study Elvish now. That's just insane. Which, I mean, set the stage for other major fantasy sci-fi series. Like I don't know if we would have Klingon if you didn't have Elvish, because I think it kind (laughs) of set the standard of, hey, you can get so into this world and fantasy that you can even communicate within it. Because up to that point, I don't don't, know if there was just a made up language that people got so into, because, I mean, I can think of, I mean, you've got you've got Elvish and all the made up dialects from there, and then you got Klingon and then I guess Dothraki from Game of Thrones. But I mean, it's neither of those
3: come anywhere close to the completion or the complexity that Tolkien I don't opposite, know.
1: You
2: underestimate Star Trek fans at that point. It, they, uh, that's true.
3: <laughs> Klingon is certainly maybe a second place, it's, but it's a
1: full fledged language. But, but the reason his creation of this language adds such a richness to the world is that it informed all of the names. And that's something that I feel yeah. Lord of the Rings does really well is it creates such distinct cultures within it that feel like, ah, so Aragorn is from the lineage of, the Numenorians, and therefore all of those names sound Numenorian. Mm-hmm. You have the Elven names that come from Elvish, whether it's Sindarian or Quindari, whatever dialect, so their names fit. So there's a rhyme and reason to why things have names. Yeah. It's not like they just came up with, oh, we're going to just call this thing because it sounds cool. It's like, no, there's a reason this thing has this name. There's a deeper meaning behind it.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. And that actually ties into what you were saying, Brett. It gives it that much more depth, right? Because you have these languages, but you also have one character or one item or one location having different names because different cultures would call the same thing mm-hmm. something different. And yeah. a, a prime example, I know we'll get into this, but you know Morgoth was also known as Melkor and was also mm-hmm. known as I'm, I'm sure several other names depending on who, who who was talking about him. And so even within the language, you have you know variances on it which just deepens the the different the cultures and and the world building that that much more which is is fascinating
2: um and can can I touch on I want to add uh there's clear good and evil in lord yes. of the rings
3: yes mm. um oh, I, I mean that's what makes it stick
2: yeah it, it is a clear battle between the light and the dark between mm-hmm. the forces of good the forces of evil um, Aaron, you're chomping at the bit. Go yeah, I wanted to point out because
3: this is this is something we talked about on the Star Wars podcast. Yeah, and I was. think and, and in I think what we covered there was great because we we made the point is that that's what makes Star Wars Star Wars, but it's also what makes a good story, and it makes it something we kind of need in this world today, where there seems like there's so much gray and so much um, you know, heroes aren't really heroes or villains aren't, you know, they're just misunderstood or whatever. Lord of the Rings, to say that it, it's, it's clear-cut good and evil, I think is an understatement. Because in Tolkien's mm-hmm. storytelling, we see where the evil comes from. From the creation of the world in the Lord of the Rings universe, it is uh, a, a dissonant song as part of the creation mm-hmm. um, that, that um, I believe it was Melkor, right? That, yep. was, that, was, that strayed from the other Valar in the mm-hmm. creation of the world. So it's not just, okay, here's the good guys and they're good because of this. And here's the bad guys because, you know, they're kind of ugly and they want to fight the, the good guys. It, it gets to the actual core of how evil entered the world and how it has affected everything from the, its very origin and, until the fourth age. Well, um, and, it, you,
1: and it shows that evil is a corrupting influence because uh, I'll say... Even in Star Wars, the dark side is sometimes okay. Well, it's just your choice to be on the dark side. Like you know, you can mm-hmm. kind of shift between. All right, well, what you did was light side, but then this was kind of dark side. You know, it's got more of that yin yang kind of feeling. Um, now they, the original trilogy, I felt still kept it clear, and you know, different discussion. Check out that episode, listeners, if you want more. <laughs> but in Lord of the Rings, evil is a corrupting influence. Mm-hmm. It's it's. Definitely something that you can even be a good character who's then pulled into evil and it it clearly corrupts and there's consequences to strain into evil territory. Yeah. And I think That's it also
2: touches on their philosophy when it comes to magic as well, mm-hmm. because I, I know the characters that are inside of Lord of the Rings, forgive me, I'm no huge Lord of the Rings scholar. I've not read the Cimmerillion, but I know that uh, beings like Gandalf and a lot of the elves, they're keepers. Of magic. They're not masters of it. In, like, in um, a sense,
3: yeah. So so Gandalf, and this isn't supposed to be like Lord of the Rings Encyclopedia, but yeah, so Gandalf <laughs> is is a Mayar, which is is kind of a, a lesser of the higher beings. Um Istari, also referred to as an Istari. Um, so you're right. So he uh, yeah. does well, possess some some
0: <laughs> he possesses <laughs> yeah, Andrew, a power that is,
3: that is certainly higher than 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 the elves. But you're right. So, and this is this gets to what you're saying, Zach, too, as evil being uh, corrupting. It's also really interesting because, unlike I think in some other kind of universes that have been created in fantasy and sci fi, races are affected both the same but also differently. So, and this goes back to the archetype thing like men are considered the most easily corruptible in the Lord of the Rings kind of universe there um Mm -hmm. but they're also they can be a force for overwhelming good when they make the right decisions elves tend to be um and this again Tolkien laid this all out in 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 why this is the way it is elves uh are much more resistant to this kind of corruption and again there's reasons for that and Tolkien laid that out but when they go bad but when they go bad they go bad it's very bad um and then you know dwarves um, they're not so susceptible to turning evil. They just tend to turn inwards and become much more selfish and focused greedy. on themselves and greedy. Um, but anyway, which is
4: why elves work in the North Pole and dwarves don't.
3: That's right. Tolkien Different so. elf. Different <laughs> elf. <laughs> Really? Really? <laughs> that's where um, Brett comes in. So where does
1: Santa Claus fit into this? I'm so confused.
3: <laughs> um, but you're right. It is, it is a very, very clear-cut good and evil but not just clear cut, its actual origins are explored and explained, and its effects, um, just like you were saying, Brett, in our real history, um, have they sustain for, for very long periods of time. And evil is not easily stomped out, just, just like in the real world. Um, it comes back um, in, in, in many forms and often in very deceptive forms. And you see that from, mm. again, the creation of the world to, all the way to the Fourth Age or the beginning of the fourth age at least
1: and a lot of this you could say was influenced by tolkien being a child of the greatest generation and having so many conflicts in just his lifetime where there was so many all right our side versus their side i mean you had so yeah. many things in the world i mean he he lived through world war one fought in world war one and then lived through world war ii so you can see just how it was real for him that mm-hmm. hey there's a good and an evil in this world and the goods worth fighting for. Mm-hmm.
3: And that, you know, it's not always our side is good and your side is evil. Um, maybe, maybe the evil is just the violence and the war in and of itself and the destruction mm-hmm. that it, that it caused. And that um, maybe that's what we should be pushing back against.
1: Well, and something that I also respect about the Lord of the Rings series is that consequences are lasting for both yeah. sides for like ages, generations. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that even if you make, the right decision, it's going to involve a sacrifice, and you're going to carry that
3: consequence. Right. It doesn't I mean, erase. So, it doesn't erase the past necessarily. Well, in Lord Tartal of the Rings, here. Lord you're... of the
1: Rings is not a world of and they lived happily ever after. Mm. They they may have a comp like the the good may have won out and light wins in the end. I mean, y- you we also know that at the end of the Lord of the Rings lore, there is this ultimate justice has had the forces of good overcome the forces of evil. But kind of even what we see in, in the Lord of the Rings series, like the good guys win, but it's a Pyrrhic victory and there's lasting consequences that they live mm-hmm. with. But yet it was
3: still worth it. And I think to go even beyond that in, in talking about good and evil, you have um, you have something to strive for beyond just the sake of doing good because it's the right thing to do. Although that is, you know, in other stories, that is sometimes enough. I mean, you have a place the, the Grey Havens of the Elves call it, Valinor, um, that is is something to be strived for, for those who are able to go there.
4: Yeah, and and just one last thing to just kind of turn this on its head. This is something that had a following in literature well before the movies mm-hmm. came out, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is where a lot of fantasy does not land. The only other one that I could really think of that had a massive following beforehand and really kind of took hold when the show was coming up was Game of Thrones. And mm-hmm. that's when the books really caught a lot of the audience.
1: I don't know if it was as culturally significant yeah. before the the show
3: not, came. No, out. no,
4: not near as not near as much of the same hold, but it's what it's a spark that got everyone talking about it.
3: But I right. see what you're and, saying, Brad. I think if you're going to if you're gonna have people start picking up copies of the Silmarillion again, this is the show that Amazon's going to put yeah. together that's gonna that's gonna make that happen. Yeah. And,
2: and speaking of that show, what is it, Zach, that we currently know about mm. the amazon show because i know the details are a bit scarce at this point and a bit all over the place but what what do we know at this point
1: um well let me look into my palantir and i will let you know oh my um, goodness so we don't know a whole don't lot look too close but uh we do know that it's going to be set in the second age which is we- Which, if you know anything about Extended Lore, that's an exciting age to have this story based in. I mean, you've got like, Well, we'll get into this later, but there's a lot of exciting (laughs) material. By the way, the second age, I mean, it's just a paltry 3,000-ish years. So, a lot of material they can draw from. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, We know that Amazon bought it for a five-season commitment, but they have confirmed at least two seasons. Hmm, cool. So that at least gives us an idea that okay, this is probably going to be a very long story, which exciting. I'll get on board with that. And they've got a one billion with a B dollar yes. budget amongst those five so, seasons. Oh um, We do know that filming started at the beginning of this year. It was then delayed, but it then started back up as of this July. Okay. And we good. know that it is being filmed in New Zealand. <laughs> It's
2: because New Zealand is free of COVID because people will stay home when they're told.
3: <laughs> well, and New they, Zealand is Middle Earth.
1: Right. Get so it. they're basically filming in Middle Earth, which is exciting. <laughs> um, you probably haven't heard of 99% of the casted characters at this point. Cool. But that was true of the Lord of the Rings trilogy,
3: I think. No, I mean, I'm there, excited there were, about There that. were a few, Sean Astin, I guess, and kind of Elijah Wood, but most of these people were virtually none of them were big names. I mean, so that's true I'm, of
4: Star Wars even,
1: and
3: it worked. Uh,
1: I'm not going to name too many names because you won't know them anyway. Um, but one I do want to mention is it is confirmed that there will be a young Galadriel who's being be. played. There has to be that who's being played by Swedish Welsh actress Morphid Clark. That is Morphid with two great. D's. She sounds
3: like a great Galadriel.
1: Well, uh, look her up and you're like, OK, I could see your resemblance to Kate Blanchett. This this could uh, this could
3: yeah. work out really well. Six
2: um, six and um, a half years on that girl. And she of, looks like, of course,
3: elf. we have to mention a young Galadriel. She was still what, like nine hundred thousand right, years old. Right. At this point.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I the mean, prime, <laughs> the prime of her life. When nine hundred years
3: old, you reach look
1: as good. You will not. Um, and then then the last important thing to realize is that part of their agreement is that Amazon cannot alter the existing timeline. Good.
2: Oh, thank God. Oh, and thank
1: and God. this has me most excited that any narrative points have to be approved by the Tolkien Society. Yes. <gasps> so, yes. So thank they. You. I mean, that could be both a blessing and a curse, but at least uh, the, the verbiage that is stated is that they have to approve to make sure it is in line with Tolkien's original vision.
4: That's great. Yeah, I'm all
1: about the it. J.R.L. Tolkien, Tolkien
2: had a vision. vision. <laughs> they- because, I, 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 and let me add this, Lord of the Rings, it, uh, there are some franchises that very easily mimic what's going on in like today's day and age. Right. Mm-hmm. Very cultural issues, very timely, very relevant issues. Um, I do not count Lord of the Rings among those. Because it's a timeless story,
0: mm-hmm. hmm. we're, we're talking
2: and, about eras and ages, and I'm I'm happy that it's kind of in its own bubble.
1: Well, what's exciting is that it explores people that are agents of justice. It explores people who have power and wield right. it for both good and evil. Right, but it doesn't get down into the specifics of oh well, Genethor was a very liberal leaning leader, whereas. Elrond was very conservative. Like, you don't see labels like that. It ultimately comes down to, okay, were they a good leader or a bad leader? Regardless of any sort of political affiliation, it comes down to were they a good or bad leader?
3: And that's the beauty of having, again, such clear-cut good and evil and having it so defined is that there is not this question of, well— I kind of see some valid points made by Sauron. Like nobody's saying that. <laughs> and, and we can all, we wait, can wait, wait. all cheer. <laughs> no, wait, he we, <laughs> we can all cheer for the good guys and the people who are, as you pointed out, Zach, the agents of justice and the agent of, of, of improving everyone's lot in life and defeating the evil that, that attempts to supplant that. And, and you avoid labels and you avoid politics and you avoid all that because good is good and evil is evil. And, yeah. and that's what it is.
2: Put
4: that on a shirt That's deep.
2: Well, gentlemen, what are our hopes for this upcoming Lord of the Rings TV show? How about you, Aaron? Take it away.
3: Oh, everyone, so sit back. My, Might my, be a while. My, yeah, if y'all up. could just see the grin across this man's face right now. <laughs> so just remember,
2: I would like to go to bed tonight. Well,
3: <laughs> I will see what I'll see what I can do. Okay. So they've already <laughs> accomplished the first two, which is one that it's a TV show and not movies. Um, hmm. I. I like the movies. Peter Jackson's trilogy, I think, is a fantastic adaptation of the novels.
4: Mm-hmm. Which
3: trilogy? Uh The Lord of the Rings. I'm not talking about The Hobbit. There we <laughs> go. Okay. I had to say it. I had to say um, it. So the fact that we're getting we're getting seasons, we're getting episodes, as a TV show. That was absolutely necessary to dig into the sheer amount of material here. Mm-hmm. Um and the other, the second part of that is that the Tolkien estate still has Uh, sign off on a lot of things. They are one of the best ones at keeping things on track and in line. And it really wasn't until the uh, shadow of Mordor and shadow of war games where they started getting maybe a little quirky, but still imaginative (laughs) and not so far out of bounds that you start to go. "Eh, I don't know about that. Except for those games,
1: those games still felt like they belonged. In fact, I was really impressed at how they incorporated existing really disparate parts of the lore and kind of strung it together. I'm like, oh, wow, that, that was well done.
3: Agreed. Agreed. Which actually leads me into um, what I think is, is going to be the selling point. And this is why I hope they do it, which is um, the second age is, is massive. Zach, you said it's, it's, it covers thousands of years, right? And there's a lot of things that happen within those thousands of years. Um, but there's a lot of events that are bridges to what happens in the third age, in mm-hmm. the trilogy, in that small window of time that most Lord of the Rings are fans So basically are it with.
2: sets up a lot of the events that it, lead up to it, Lord it of the Rings.
3: Exactly, and it does so yeah, in a yeah. way that a it, it's, exactly, and it's bigger than, than what I think a lot of people realize. Right, um, because
1: it's, it's not just a prequel because there will be things that tie into Lord of the Rings and you'll kind of recognize, Oh, okay. So this is how this is affected. Y- you can make the argument that Lord of the Rings is an epilogue to what happens in the second age.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh wow. yeah. Okay. I would. Yeah. I would totally agree with that. And so with that, it's great because you're going to have characters. Um, we already talked about Galadriel. um, that people are going to know from the Lord, whether they just read the trilogy or they, they saw the movies. Um, elrond is gonna he has he has to be in there uh if i, you're gonna I touch hope so these events yeah.
1: real quick if elrond if a young elrond is and we got our young galadriel if we have young elrond i want to see ethan peck play young elrond <gasps> oh the guy
2: who plays spock
1: yes um, yeah oh. I, I think he and hugo weaving could play off hmm. a really good young old version of each other oh
4: i think they could too he's also yeah. pulled off 20 years before
1: they, he, uh, he, He's <laughs> they see and i mean being thousands of years old we already know that he lives long and prospers
2: you are not wrong
3: (laughs) you are not wrong so also in this vein you're going to have sauron as the bad guy because the the ending of the first age and the beginning of the second age was the defeat of morgoth who was if you think sauron was bad you ain't seen nothing yet morgoth was the ultimate lord of the rings baddie sauron was a lieutenant of his
2: i was about to say uh, i keep i keep hearing sauron described as a lieutenant and morgoth is the general it, Mor- yeah. it would yeah. be the equivalent
1: dragons. it would be the equivalent of thinking that loki was the ultimate bad guy and yeah. then and then morgoth is thanos yep okay.
3: so and, and this is reference and this is This is also a reference to the movies in in, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. That was Uh, a really good
1: analogy, Zach. Well done. That was a really good time.
3: Thanks, guys. Thanks. I appreciate that compliment. Um, They say a Balrog of Morgoth. Well, Morgoth. You didn't say it right, Iron. You didn't say it. A Balrog of Morgoth. Oh my um, God. How that was like the last <laughs> surviving <laughs> one. my
1: eyes can
3: um, <laughs> he had an army of those things right but that's all first age stuff so the great thing is that sauron is the main bad guy so two things on that one he's recognizable everyone they're not going to get whiplash from figuring out who the bad guy is it's going to be a consistent bad guy from mm, the that's second true. age that's leading into the story that they already know um on that though we get to delve into the more interesting parts of Sauron. So in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, he's the big bad guy. He in the movies, he's portrayed as the eye. He is right? the bad eye. He is the bad eye. And uh because his spirit <laughs> is what I did is, is not fully taken physical form yet. Um that is not the case in the second age until much later on. And Sauron is very deceptive. He can take very fair forms and mm-hmm. does so to, to uh deceive and and convince uh, certain certain uh, cultures and and people uh to fall for his tricks. Um so I think that would be really interesting to explore. But again, you have that bridge.
2: Yeah, it's something it's something we've not seen yet from Lord of the Rings. And I know general audiences uh, I, I would find that fascinating. I've I've read the books long time ago. I know a little bit about the Cimmerillion and the, the, the games as well and so the stuff that, but so someone with general knowledge of Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. I find that fascinating.
3: Yeah, and I think that's what's so great is you don't have to make that much of a leap. You're not going, okay, it's a new bad guy. Let's find out about him. It's just more about the guy you already kind of know and have established as the supreme dark lord. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but but so it, what what's interesting from a filmmaking perspective is in Lord of the Rings, and, and again, this is an adaptation, but Sauron, it, it, it's a little bit more... I mean, I hate to say it, but it, it seems a bit campy just, if you have no context, be like, wait, it's a tower with a giant eye. Mm -hmm, Like what? Whereas now he can take these different forms and you get to explore. All right. It's almost like Shiv Palpatine setting the stage for him becoming Emperor Palpatine. So you get to see kind of the political maneuverings, which I think for a TV show, like everything starts off. And then this, this character enters in and then just slowly corrupts the different parties involved and creates conflict from within. As yeah, long as we exactly. don't have so
4: much political commenting as we did in the prequel series of star Wars. Right. That'd be great. Uh,
3: <laughs> and true. the nice thing is that I don't, you want, because at the beginning of the second age, Sauron has gone back. He was, he was Morgoth's lieutenant. He's gone back to the, uh, the Valar and basically not because he's truly repentant, but because he's scared of, of what they're going to, uh, bring upon him he basically says okay I'll, I'll stop my bad i shouldn't have gone along with with morgoth and then he kind of runs away and disappears for a while um so i think you'll have this interesting start of like okay he has a lot of power but he's not the most powerful being in this world um and then there's nothing political about it he goes off and does does bad things because so, that's
2: do what he do we know who plays sauron in the tv show or is he that, even confirmed that's not, been,
1: that's not been released yet all the names that they have they have released characters for with the exception of galadriel are names that aren't really included in the appendancy so i mean they could be okay. a nameless elf nameless Numenorian. It, it could be so any, really we're anyone. just
2: speculating at this point on yeah this is the all speculation it's what okay. we
1: wish it's what we wish for
2: <laughs> it's very true well zach what well, about you what do you wish for lord of the rings
1: Well, I mean, Aaron was getting up to this point, but I want to see Numenor. I want to see the Numenorians. which just brief history lesson. They were the only race of humans that remained loyal and had an allegiance with the good forces. Just I mean, we could get into the names, but the good forces at the end of the first age and were kind of blessed to have longer life. And they were given kind of their own kingdom to oversee. And that ultimately is where.
3: All right, Aaron, just promise you're going to contain yourself where i can't where who comes from that's the line where aragorn eventually comes from and that's why he <laughs> is 90 years old in the fellowship of the ring and looks like a spelt you know 38 year old 40 year old vigo mortensen
4: that's uh 87 to be specific it is he is 87? i'm oh, pretty that's sure vigo mortensen He's
3: 87. is Menorian. he was 90 by return to king <laughs> that's right
1: does anyone else feel like vigo mortensen has
3: been like 40 for 40 years no, I have my <laughs> suspicions that this whole Numenorian line might be an actual thing.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I saw a picture of him recently. He's he's starting to starting to get some salt and pepper up top.
3: Hey, he's probably rocking it.
2: Oh, he's <laughs> making it. He's making it look good. But, you know, still, it, it's there. But
3: but I'm with Zach on this on, on Numenor. And my my hope is that actually we follow a main character from from Numenor. I think that'd be really interesting.
4: So So you want this to be. Uh, definitely more of a series instead of episodic
3: oh yeah i i I find it hard okay so i would absolutely watch it because i i love this stuff but i think you have to have some main characters that find themselves kind of in the midst of these events and i mean i I think and, and zach of course i'm sorry to cut in on your answer i think having someone who's not necessarily all powerful or hasn't been like. Again, like Frodo given the ring of power or something like that, but we can follow someone who is, um, is a really cool character, but is more average. And I, I phrased it like kind of the Forrest Gump of of Lord of the Rings that he gets yeah. caught in the sense that he gets caught up <laughs> in all of these events that are happening and plays something of a key role, not in kind of like a bumbling way, like Forrest. No, Gump. but you, what well, well, you,
1: you have, you have elements of Forrest Gump and Lord of the Rings. I mean, March of the Ends. Run, forest, run! Oh
3: God! Oh my word! <laughs> you had that ever since you saw my show notes. I know it. <laughs> that's awful. Uh, but I think that would be. I think that would be really. I think that would be really interesting. Is, is to Note have that someone Zach is who, laughing the hardest. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course, it, that's how it always happens. Uh, but to have someone who a man, uh, a, a human who who who's there during the the rise of Numenor it's kind of golden age. And then most interest, interestingly, it's fall. And then so of course, you're looking, coming over to middle earth,
2: you're looking for a character that basically you can see the second age through fresh eyes, like Frodo being introduced to all the big world. That was the mm-hmm. middle earth. Mm -hmm. um and so we got to see it with fresh eyes you're wanting a character that you can look through and see the second age with fresh eyes
3: yeah i think instead of just putting the events on screen even though i think that would be interesting the fall of numenor is alone would be a fascinating thing to see but instead of just that kind of narrative that narrative or 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 narrator you have a character who lives through it and that's what i'd love again i'd love to see someone who goes from the rise to the peak to the fall and is one of the few loyal Numenorians who uh, who were not who did not succumb to Sauron's deceptions, who leave and actually sail east instead of sailing west, end up in Middle Earth and found the kingdoms of Gondor and Arnor, and then become uh, ultimately part of the last alliance of elves and men at the end of the Second Age, fight Sauron on the uh, the the stoops of Mount Doom or whatever they say in the movies. Mm-hmm. And kind of end the whole show at the end of that battle with the defeat quote of Sauron and then pick up, and then you can pick up where the Lord of the Rings movies, the, the Peter Jackson versions basically take off it's a
2: lot of ground to cover. It
3: well, is. But if you started at the right, you've got a lot time, of war to pull from. Yeah. I, think I mean, I hope they it.
1: kind of take a feather out of the cap of Mandalorian, which I guess you can't cause it's a metal helmet, but, um, <laughs> To take some Beskar out of the metal helmet of Mandalorian. And I want to take this opportunity because it's a series, right? You can take more time in your pacing with television series to delve into the distinctness of the different cultures, the different races. Like Gimli was one of my favorite characters in Lord of the Rings. Um, And I would like to see more dwarves. Now, Mm -hmm. in the lore, even dwarves, like to Aaron's point, have been more loners. So I would like to see perhaps not quite the fellowship all over again, but to Aaron's point, no name representatives of different species, different beings that we know are part of the lore, and they all maybe separately at first, but then work their way to all their paths cross at some point. So we get to explore the Dwarven culture, explore a little bit more the Elven culture, Numenorian, et cetera. Like, I'm just
3: excited to see more of the cultures come to life. I yeah. think they did this very well with Talion in Shadow of Mordor, the, mm-hmm. the video game. That's what I'm talking about. He's not someone we know about before. He's your kind of man, uh, but he's not. He's by far. He's not boring. He's an extremely good fighter. He has all these qualities, so he's interesting. But he's also not Aragorn, who's heir to the throne of Gondor.
2: Right. Wait, right. so, so are, the, are the games considered lore? Yeah, they're canon, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Like, really?
3: Uh, I I don't quote me on this. I think there's some debate surrounding that. So they okay. draw another from, episode.
1: They draw from canon, but I'm pretty sure they themselves
3: are not considered canon. Oh, OK. Well, so, I'm, I'm happy okay. with that. So one Just other to clear thing, things up because the game brings this up, one other big thing I think we want to see in there, and it'd be really interesting how they could do this visually, is the story of Celebrimborr. And the forging of the Rings of Power. So for those
2: who do not know who Celebrimbor is, please explain.
3: He Okay, how do I do this briefly? Okay, I'll do it briefly. He was a legendary Don't tell him
1: to explain. There's not enough time. For those who do
2: not know who Celebrimbor is, long story short, he is the one who forged the Ring of Power. He's the uh, one who who was basically on the hammer making it.
3: Uh, yes, he also, well... Kind of. He he helped. <laughs> like for- I said. He forged the other whoa. rings of power that were given <laughs> to short. men, dwarves, and, and elves. Um, and He's an
2: elven blacksmith. He's an elven
3: smith, yes. He's yes. like
2: the best one and yes. is tied directly to the rings of power. Yes. Just play the video games. Cool. And when we say
1: rings of power, we're not just <laughs> talking about the one ring. There's yeah, also right. the three rings given to elves, nine to men, dwarves, blah, blah, blah. Seven. Watch you know the what, preamble Brett, to the first one. Brett, I want to hear what you want. From yes. this show.
2: Instead
4: I, of listening to me more, and Aaron just pontificate. A, yeah. <laughs> what do you want? S- thank you, Zach. Simple man with simple <laughs> desires for this show, okay? Not going to get too deep. I want three things. I want characters that I love, villains I despise, and a story that is so rich it rivals Game of Thrones in things like subverting expectations. Like, I... I want nobody to be safe in this show. I want this thing to be a roller coaster of emotion because if you get those first two points, the characters you love and the characters you hate, and you start throwing a bunch of rocks at those different characters, some will rise, some will fall. And I want to see
1: that happen. Well, there's a lot of opportunity for that because oh, yeah. really with the only tentpole characters that can't die being Galadriel, Elrond, and Sauron. Yep. There's a lot Gandalf. of games to come up with. If
3: they if they go into it. Well, I,
1: there. Yeah, but he'd be like latter half of the second age. depends he, uh, Depends on which part of the second age they, they cover. Explore. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Can
2: Can I even go more simple than that? I, really, I have no expectations for this. Really, all I want to see is that a good way they story. can't be crushed. Real, really, all I have, <laughs> all I want to see is a good story that holds up and can be compared to the Lord of the Rings movies. That mm. it feels like it's the same thing,
1: and it's a high bar, no doubt. Well, with $1 billion in budget,
2: they you cannot the make ability, the excuse
1: do they that. don't have the oh, resources. Yeah. So, yeah, if I had to, the, the specific geek points aside, very, very overview, I, I had it written down as, I want to see Game of Thrones quality, but with a Chronicles of Narnia moral compass. Yeah. Ooh. And because I because th- I think Game of Thrones, to your point, Brett, it subverted expectations. You, it was that roller coaster of oh my gosh, they killed off who, what character? I mean, I episode to were-
4: episode, you did not know what was going to happen. That's why people love to watch it.
1: But you get to the end of Game of Thrones, and you're okay. kind of like, oh, Season
4: but- Eight is a different animal, and that's, <laughs> no, that's a, it's different a different epi- episode.
1: But, yeah, but I think eight, that's because Game of Thrones whole different episode. We can cover that. It, it had all of this momentum but since it had no moral moorings yeah you got to the end and you're kind of like okay i don't really care anymore i guess it's just over it was almost just like this big adrenaline rush that when it was over you're kind of like i think i'm just glad that it's over and you don't know if the bad guys won or lost yeah you're kind of like okay i i I guess i'm happy with the ending right so
4: i think oh i'm sorry right no no, I, i i don't have to talk about it let's go keep going
3: So basically I was going to say, I think both you, you, Brett and you, Andrew, what, what you're looking to get out of it can absolutely be accomplished without them really coming up with and inventing new things. There is, And I I am, I I know there's a lot of debate around this and I understand that, but I think there is so much material that Tolkien has already written that can be translated to the screen. Again, come up with new characters like Talion who fit within this framework. And these stories right. that have already been written, but these stories, again, the the rise, the peak and the fall of Numenor, which is just one part of the second age, provides you with so much material that fits exactly what you're looking for, Brett, and what you're looking for, Andrew, as far as subverting expectations and drama and, and good characters, et cetera. Um, they don't need to go making up new stuff. And then trying to kind of cram it in this this framework and then, you know, slap Tolkien on the front of it. He's already yeah, done it. Yeah. Give us some good new characters that fit within it and use what he has. And I'm a mm-hmm. firm a, believer yep. in that because it'll yep. keep Great you on that point. path. And again, he is, he is the master. He's already done it. Don't mess with something that's already been basically perfected.
1: Yeah. That's if it ain't uh, broke, exactly. don't fix it. That's exactly. what I'm talking about.
2: Nah. <laughs> I know we have so much more to say on this uh, as far oh, as Lord of the Rings. Oh, we can go, go for
3: hours. Do I, Andrew? Uh, I know, Aaron, we have scratched <laughs> the surface
2: on it. And this is probably not the last time that we're going to talk about uh, Lord of the Rings. Topic I haven't ball. even
3: gotten how this all ties into Aragorn. So, <laughs> <laughs> Which leads no. us into
1: our next segment, Aragorn. <laughs> so you see a seal No <laughs> Listen, we could bring Ents into the conversation, but it's a moot point.
3: Oh, oh. Wow. Well, just like a Only- door I'm going to cut this off and. <laughs> okay, that was good. That was good. Uh-
2: Today's game is brought to you by Maleshko. Making videos should be fast and fun. Find out how at Maleshko.com. That's M-I-L-E-S-H-K-O.com. Or you can go to dadgumnerds.com slash contact and it'll take you straight there. Thank you guys. All right, well today Kevin is not here today, so our game master for today is going to be drum roll please. Brr, 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 brr. Me, I got voted onto the island for that one. Oh, hey. All right. So for better or for worse, you guys are stuck with me as the game master for today. Well, are today Are you game for it? Uh <laughs> yeah, apparently I have to be. <laughs> uh, well, today we are going to be playing a game uh that is really? called Tolkien Character or Antidepressant. <laughs>
4: Oh what? man!
2: <laughs> um, I wish I could say that we came up with this game. Uh, I will give a shout out to uh, this was created by Jesus uh, Roldan. Uh, based is based off that a, a Tolkien from- character? Yeah, uh, or is for- that an
3: antidepressant?
2: Uh, <laughs> 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 Guys, but uh, it's based off a tweet from another person. Um, you can. Uh, we will leave the link to the website where you can actually play this full game. Uh, yourself. Uh, I will be in the show notes. So rules are pretty simple. I am going to read to you guys a name and uh, we'll go one at a time, starting with one person, going to the next, going to the next, you know, different name. Uh, and you have to guess whether or not that is a token character or an antidepressant. If you get it correct, you get one point. If you do not, you get zero
4: points. Sounds so, like you're going to be riddling me.
2: Ooh. Oh,
4: <laughs> Wow. Wow, Indeed. such a pill. <laughs> we better get to the game, or we'll this never the, get there, guys. This is the
2: last time Andrew was game master for uh, <laughs> Dadgum Nerds. Um, it's too
1: much for so him. So we're going to do.
2: So we're basically going to do a practice round because I'm pretty sure you guys are going to get this right off the bat. Um, we are going to do Zach first, Brett second, Aaron third. How about that?
3: Okay, so sure. we put in our vote. Okay, we'll yeah. the, Okay, so, so I'm going to read. Each I'm
2: okay. going to read the first one. I'm going to give it to Zach, and he's going to give me an answer for it um and we got a bunch of these so let's let do it. not dilly dally upon this and get this game started
4: and no cheating no looking up the name that is true if i see you
2: looking up wikipedia you get a like one game ban how about that
4: Ooh. Ooh.
3: um all I right i think i could type fast enough to do that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right zach uh these are all pretty much gimmies uh, at the beginning your first one is bilbo
1: tolkien character Oh my goodness. Yeah, that is
2: correct. Now again, I didn't put these names in. This, oh, I is, didn't from, my this is from in. the website. You said it was No, 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 no. This is now one person, one person for each. There oh, are 24 okay. of these. So in theory, a perfect score will be eight.
4: Okay. All right. Okay.
2: All right. Brett. Yes. Symbalta. Symbalta. Prescription drug. Antidepressant. Correct. Yes. All right. Aaron. Ellen deal.
3: Lord of the Rings character. Okay, that's Tolkien. That is correct. Uh, these Tolkien, were gimmies. Yeah. I told okay. you
2: guys these were gimmies. This is just to practice it and just to do it.
1: I promise you, it gets a that lot. That has something to do with Aragorn. Here. So listen, it's right, a good know. thing that Bilbo is not a drug because it would be Hobbit forming.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh
1: gosh! <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh gosh! Okay,
3: that one gets applause. That was good. Wow. That was
2: good. Wow. Yeah. Zach. Okay, Zach. Your second one is Nardil. Tolkien character. Antidepressant. Oh man. It's Nardil. already getting hard. N-A-R-D-I-L. Depressant. Antidepressant. All right. Brett, are you ready?
4: Yes. Well, I don't know if I am, but go for it.
2: All right. This one actually is probably the easiest one out of the rest of them, but Haldir. I'm going to go with Tolkien character. Tolkien character is correct. I nice. met the
3: actor who played Haldeer.
2: Oh, really? He ah, cool. Nice. Yeah, Haldir was in the movies. He was the elf who came to the aid of uh, Helm's Deep.
3: In the <gasps> movies. That didn't Love happen it. in the
2: book. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it doesn't matter. matter. It was still in the cool. book. He just guided them out of Lothlorien, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he was
3: just like, uh, yeah, he was like an off All right. Elf
2: so I'm going to give i um, uh, I'm going to do my best to read all of these. If I butcher the names on these, I'm, <laughs> I apologize in advance um but well, the next if, one
1: if i get really depressed about it i now have some resources this is true sure. <laughs> uh aaron amantadine
3: uh antidepressant
2: antidepressant is correct mm. all right so as it stands right now brett you have two aaron you have two zach you have one all right
1: one point to
2: rule that. zach Edrinax. Edrinax. Antidepressant. Antidepressant is correct. Ooh. All right. Man. Brett. Azafen. Azafen. <laughs> I'm going to say antidepressant. Antidepressant is correct. Oh. This is <laughs>
3: the most
1: stressed 50 50 chance. I can't ever. Believe. Wow. Uh, if you
3: know just how many sheer names there are in the Tolkien. I know. This is. I can't believe there's enough antidepressants to
2: (laughs) Aaron. Burgill. Burgill.
3: I'm actually going to go Tolkien character on this one.
2: Tolkien character. Tolkien character is correct.
3: All right. Oh, wow. That must be be like a lesser named man. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not placing. I feel like I should know. He was. uh,
2: He apparently was uh, one of the men who accompanied Pippin when he first ride to Minas Tirith.
3: Okay. Okay, oh, I was like, wow. I know, I
1: know I should know this. See, I can't this it. is the mastery of the world Tolkien created, because just based off of the spelling and how that sounded, I was like, oh, that's probably a man character. That's
2: remarkable. Mm-hmm. All right, Zach, for your third. I say that I'm
1: going to get this wrong.
2: <laughs> uh, your name is Celebrian. Celebrian. Antidepressant. That is a token character, good sir. Celebrian, man, or Celebr, Calib- Calibri- excuse Wait, Calibran? wait. Calibran? Does that begin with a C? And it you does. pronounce that as a? Mm, I'm sorry. I told mm, you in advance.
4: Celebrian. He did. He gave a disclaimer.
2: I told you in advance. If you, if you guys want because spelling, that character's name guys, is pronounced
4: Calibrim.
2: Excuse me. If you guys <laughs> want spelling on something and clarification, you have to do. All you have to do is
1: ask. You gotta tell me the accent. I blame
2: that on you for not asking more questions about that. All right, moving on. Shame it's on like me for not me. knowing
1: an unspoken rule.
2: <laughs> Brett. Yes. Narvi.
3: Narvi. What? Narvi. Narvi? Na- Sounds like, like Zelda. Would you, like,
2: would hey, you like the spelling on it?
4: Yes, I want the hey, spelling. N A R V I. I am going to say token character. Tolkien character is correct. Yes. He sounds like the
2: puniest little guy. He, he is a dwarf.
3: <laughs> well, uh, there he you built, go.
2: He built the doors of um, Durin to Kaz of Doom.
3: Mm. Oh, got it. So, actually, pretty cool. All right. Aaron,
2: Sentimil.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go antidepressant on that.
2: Antidepressant? That is correct.
3: So I well do, done. I have a slight upper hand here because my dad is a physician's assistant. Oh, <laughs> oh, this thing's rigged. And when I was a kid, we would get all kinds of like flag from from drug companies because um, mm. they'd bring him to his office to, to drop off. So there, I've seen many notepads and pens with drug names on them. <laughs> like so let me Slim get this Dog straight: so the Tolkien historian
1: <laughs> slash son of a PA is playing this game? Hey,
3: <laughs> yeah, we had a chance, Brett. You, well, yeah.
1: uh, in Brett the game is,
3: of anti or Tolkien character, you win or you die.
2: <laughs> Brett is <laughs> Brett is tied with Aaron for four. Ooh. Zach, you have two. Okay. All right, we are halfway through this, guys. Zach, cry, actually, your <laughs> your next character is Finarfin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sounds swedish for that's something a, like actually that's a tough one uh i'm gonna go with tolkien character tolkien character is correct Ooh, well Wait. done that, i
3: was seriously 50 that's 50 on that's that one.
1: one of the sons of feanor right
2: uh no it is uh apparently the youngest child of finway and indes who ruled noldor and uh, who remained in amman oh
3: so he's one of the like valor I'm what, not what joking what? when I say I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh Andrew. my gosh. That is, doesn't that make him an an
2: That is upsetting.
4: In that mind. makes me clueless. So let's keep going.
2: <laughs> Brett. Uh, Kierden. Spelling, please. C-I-R-D-A-N.
1: I'm going to go with Tolkien character.
2: Tolkien character is correct. Yes. Mm.
1: Now look who's pronouncing the C's as K's.
2: Hey, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Aaron, okay, <laughs> I see how it is. Aaron. Mm. Yes sir. Coledial. Ooh. Coledial. Or yeah. I'll give you
2: the other pronunciation just to be fair, Celedial.
3: No, it's good. <laughs> uh so I'm I'm a little torn on this one. I am going to go talking character, but I do not feel good about that answer.
2: Tolkien character is incorrect. Yep. That is an <gasps> antidepressant. Yep. Oh.
3: Man. Yeah, I really was torn on that. All wow. right. So
2: as it stands, Brett is in the lead with five. All right. Aaron, four. Zach three. All right. Zach, your next one. Orofin. Orofin. Hmm. Mm.
1: I'm gonna go with Tolkien character.
2: Tolkien character is correct.
1: All right.
2: Orifin was apparently one of the three wardens of the northern border border of (laughs) Lothborian. What was that northern border? northern border! (laughs) Yep. Just like that.
4: Brett. Yes, sir. Sildenafil. Man, I don't even want you to spell that. Sildenafil. I'm just going to go antidepressant. Antidepressant?
2: That is correct. Yes. Uh, That is the street name of Viagra. Ugh. What? Street name for Viagra, excuse me. Man, <laughs> wow. Excuse me, the street name is Viagra, excuse me. No wonder All right, the pronunciation
1: um, was so hard.
2: <laughs> Aaron, your next person or antidepressant. Who knows? El Ronin. El Ronin. i gonna
3: go Tolkien character.
2: Tolkien character. That is incorrect. That Ooh. is an antidepressant. I'm, oh, wow. bombing?
3: I'm bombing right now. What does L do?
2: E L R O N O N. Just an antidepressant. As it stands, Brett with six. Aaron four. Zach four. Mm. All, right. All right. Zach. Aristor or
1: Aristor. What's the spelling? E-R-E-S-T-O-R. Aristor. Uh, I'm gonna go with antidepressant.
2: Antidepressant? That is incorrect. That is a <gasps> token character. That is elf. That he's an elf. He is the chief counselor of Elrond's household and was apparently at the Council of Elrond. Uh-huh.
1: Hmm.
2: Alright.
4: Brett. Yes, sir. Deserel. Deserel. Spelling, please. D E S Y R E L.
2: Antidepressant. Antidepressant? That is correct. Alright. Wow.
3: up over here let's do this
2: all right um next up aaron luvox
3: uh i'm gonna go antidepressant
2: antidepressant is correct well done uh it's for ocd apparently
4: it's also an antidepressant all right gentlemen
2: we are in the final round brett you have seven all right five zach four so really uh, at this
1: point we're just all holding our breath to see if brett can get a perfect score yeah, basically.
4: <laughs> if I get a perfect score, I will yell out the war cry of my favorite college football team. FYI.
2: <laughs> yeah, can't wait for that.
1: Man, I am on <laughs> the edge of my seat.
2: All right, I have no Zach. idea what it's going to be. Narmacil. Narmacil. Antidepressant. Tolkien character. Oh, I wow. rock at this game. That is the Man. 17th King of Gondor.
4: Wow, 17th. You didn't know that, Zach? Come on. You know, I get mixed up in the teens. (laughs) (laughs) Brett. Yes, sir.
2: Your final one and for a perfect score. Uh, Escaleth. Oh, man.
4: I'm going to go Tolkien character, but I'm not very confident. Are you sure? Is that your
2: final Uh, answer? That is my final
4: answer Tolkien character. Tolkien
2: character. character? You are incorrect. No. It is an antidepressant, Ooh. man. It is made of lithium carbonate, and it's for bipolar disorder. Wow.
3: Mm. Yeah, wow! Deceived me. Can I get? Can I get my last question just so I can finish this out? Can I get one more?
2: <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. All right, Aaron. Mental car. Mental car.
3: Uh, again, I so. I'm going to say Tolkien character, but I could like Brett. I do not feel good about that answer.
2: Tolkien character. Mm-hmm. Is that your final answer?
3: It is. And I feel like it's wrong.
2: It is correct. Ooh, hey. oh. okay. He was the 19th King of Gondor.
3: Well, see. Okay. So 16th, 19th. That's where I came.
2: 17th. Get it right, Aaron.
3: <laughs> this is why Brett won. Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: So, so final tally, Brett. With seven, All Aaron right. with six, and okay. Zach with four. Okay. So I don't know about you, but when I ended up playing this game the first time, that's a lot harder than I thought.
3: That is that- absolutely more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you go into it and you're
2: like, nah, bro, I got this. And you walk out a different changed man. Well, especially when you give
3: Zach, you know, the first one is Bilbo. And you're like, oh, OK, I think we got this, guys. And then we're over here. You got Ellen
2: Deal. I don't want you to complain about that, OK? I mean, I'm
3: not complaining.
1: Listen, I got Bilbo, but then I got like Nimin Breath and Melkor and Ezroth. And I'm like, OK. I All just right. found I learned that I'm awful at 50-50. <laughs> just,
3: just like Sauron, this game was deceiving. Yes. Yeah.
4: Don't give Zach a coin to flip because well,
2: <laughs> that is that is the end of today's game. We're actually going to try a new topic uh, for mm-hmm. us to do on the show. Uh, we're getting ready to do some Dadgum Q and A, a little mm. mini version of it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. Let's get started. Dadgum Q and A. Um, Zach, why don't you uh, why don't you take a, take it away on this one? What are the questions and the people who wrote this in?
1: All right. Well, the first one is submitted via the website by Daniel S. And I am excited because we've got, we've got a good roster for this question. I agree. All right. You get one. Do you get rid of space orchids in Star Trek? Or do you get rid of space whales in Star Wars? You can only pick one, which one and why? So I'm excited about this one. So I, okay, Brett, I kind of figured that was your answer, but why, why that and not space whales?
4: Because space orchids not only ruined what, what uh firepower every ship had in um in star trek but that space orchids basically became the red herring and all that you got for a climax at the end of the first season of picard like that space orchids was what they kind of threw at the romulans to kind of just distract them for a little bit and that was basically the only space battle you got bam space orchids it was so depressing i felt like taking antidepressant after watching the end of that
1: one that was bad well you correctly identified many of them so you've got option (laughs) (laughs) all right andrew space orchids or space whales
2: see I, i sat here for a good long while and thought about one of these two because i have a disdain for both of them um at the end of the day though i think i'm actually gonna have to agree with brett um space orchids i think i would get rid of yeah i as much as i dislike the space whales having something that came out of right field to defeat Thrawn, spoiler alert, sorry about that. Um, having something that came out of, you know, that was not in his view to beat him. I'm like, okay, I can get behind that. The space orchids just didn't serve much of a purpose at all and really tore at the fabric of what is star Trek. So I'm going to say space orchids.
3: All right, Aaron space orchids or space whales. So there's a very fair argument to be made for both but I'm actually going to go space whales on this one. And it actually is, it is to the point you made, Andrew, Um, in order to defeat grand Admiral Thrawn and his, in his brilliance and strategic mind, you do have to come out of left field. Um, My problem is what came out of left field was absolutely ridiculous. And silly (laughs) at the end of the day, Um, if you read, you know, the, how he is ultimately defeated in, in the, the Thrawn trilogy in the novels, that of course take place far after rebels, um, without spoilers. Um, he is defeated by something on a left field and it, it is poetic and it makes a lot of sense and it, it does. And it, it works very, very well.
2: It very much. Uh, does. The reason
3: I would get rid of space whales is again, my complaint is not so much with what they are. Uh, there are EU precedents for kind of sentient beings that have hyperspace capabilities in the, in the star Wars expanded universe. It's true. Um, it's a little much, but it, it works for me. It's the fact that in this climax of a battle similar to the Space Orchids, you have something like you're telling me these things are just starting to ram ships. Not just ships, but a fleet commanded by Grand Admiral Thrawn. Mm-hmm. And oh no, the most brilliant tactician in the entire galaxy can't handle some some hyperspace traveling whales. Nah, get rid of them. I don't I don't hate them on principle. I just hate how it was used it just it was i I don't disagree with it yeah yeah i mean we're in your corner aaron yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's just uh, it's it's beyond eyebrow raising it's just silly they're asking
2: us to make a sophie's choice at this point so i like i don't Mm -hmm. i don't disagree
3: the saving grace with the space whales if you want to call it that was that at least they were introduced in an earlier episode if they hadn't done that Oh, it would be so much worse. Now, well, that doesn't I make mean, it that much better, but it is something that's like, okay, at least you didn't hit us with like a true deus ex machina of just like, we've never heard of this. We don't know what this is, but here come the whales. And well, <laughs> it's okay <laughs> <they are the laughs> because,
2: well, so was Space Orchids in episode nine of, you know, 10 episodes of Star Trek. That's when it true. got introduced.
3: <laughs> but never in my, like, ever did I think in my watch through a Rebels on the one episode where they first meet the whales, I thought, okay, well, this is one of those weird one-off episodes. Who cares? I never in my right mind thought, oh, these are coming back. (laughs) These are going to play the most critical role in this whole series. (laughs) I thought it was like, you know, one of those, now be kind to animal kids, like like one of those episodes. Yeah, like space Um, conservation. (laughs) Get rid of them. Get rid of them. That was so silly.
2: Zach, it's a foregone conclusion. I already know the answer to this, but take it away. Space whales.
1: Space whales blow. All right, so... (laughs) Listen, I get it too. I I get the frustration that space orchids kind of just ruin this climactic battle that was dangled on a like a carrot in front of you, and then was just pulling away by petals and space. But for me, the distinguishing thing is a the fact that it takes down Thrawn. That is inexcusable. This man deserved a better defeating agent than mm-hmm. space whales.
2: It was beaten much better in the books
1: second i i think space orchids if used in the right context could be a beautiful thing so i don't want They're to destroy not, no. something that's beautiful <laughs> like flowers in space like that's almost no. like a nebula but it's organic that, space it's whales stupid space that whales is, are smelly how do you wash like, a space how you, whale that, how do you know if you smelled a space whale
2: how do you wash it's because, a space orchid <laughs> because they shouldn't exist
1: okay I mean,
2: wait space so if, if there is if there is no Smells sound in space the is there no smell in space are we really debating the finer points of can you wash a space whale yes. or a space orchid <laughs> I had no, one now of those i'm moments, curious does I had space smell? Where you, i had one of those moments where you like step back and you know have this out-of-body experience and you're like what the crap are we talking about <laughs> now i want to know you thank yank you daniel thank you zach, for this. zach
3: and i actually use space whales as a as a saying for when something unexpected and stupid happens we call it a space whale <laughs> oh it,
1: oh this was a space whale like uh, instead of saying red herring it's a space whale
3: yeah so we
1: at least get that out of it so uh, okay i guess we ended that one 50 50 so hopefully we provided some clarity daniel
3: 50 <laughs> 50 but i think we all agree both were pretty yeah, they're both all, man, They're both awful. <laughs> so
1: bad but you now know our whys. So, yeah. All right. So the next question is submitted by Lane M via the website. What do you think is one of the better gifts for a nerd dad on a budget?
3: Can so I say, so, I'll, so I'll take-
1: I, I'm glad he inserted a comma because is he talking about that. The dad is on a budget or the gift is on a budget. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, so, and so is this receiving gifts or
4: like if we as a nerd dad have to find a gift for somebody I think
3: he's saying finding a gift or yeah, finding yeah he's a probably, gift he's for probably finding a gift for someone yeah. he, might as, he might as well have this with asking for a friend
1: <laughs> 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 okay so he wants to know a gift for
4: a nerd dad yes. Got yeah i would imagine that, that is, is cost effective mm-hmm. yes that is does
2: not break the bank because like i would love the major Lego Millennium Falcon that's like 8000 pieces. <laughs> I would love that. But is that realistic? No sir, it is That's not, not. on
1: a budget. That's on a payment plan. <laughs> you are 60 correct. days same as cash. I think
2: I I think if you are Drive looking though, I think if you're looking though for a gift for a nerd, there's a couple of things um to keep in mind um especially if you're not in particularly a nerd I wouldn't get something for the person that's necessarily like a functional item that has some major practical purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I, some people may differ on this one, but I know that if I got, you know, like grilled uh, grill tongs that were plastered with the star Wars logo, I'd just be like, Oh, thanks for the, thanks for the tongs.
1: Listen, as a married man, you're just buying me something that my wife is never going to allow to see sunlight. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't tell you how many star Wars things I have. That are in a box because she's like, we are not having an R2-D2 egg timer on the counter where
3: everyone can see it. But like, (laughs) it's R2-D2 telling us the eggs are ready, babe. How cool is that? Is now a bad time to mention I have a lightsaber grilling fork? Oh, Oh, that's nice. Okay,
4: that's kind of fun. Now, hey, I I might differ on you on that one. If the object itself is really cool in its function, then I would say it's okay to put some nerd stuff in it. For instance, I saw an AR-15 with a Captain America theme on it while it was painted on the outside, that was sick. So yes, it depends but on a budget, but on a budget. Yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah, so, I don't know if that's necessarily, Oh, that's a great deal. <laughs> so what? there, there are different uh, websites you can actually look at for something like this. If you look for, like, if you just go on a, a web browser and type in, uh, you know, nerd gifts on a budget, um, really the simplest way to do it. There are different websites that get like mystery boxes, for different items of nerddom uh anything from you know too many star i'm I'm just gonna pick something too many Star Trek figurines that were made, and they might send you something in that mystery box it's that that's included, so look for it maybe it maybe it'll work and i I know that this is kind of a,
2: a mixed bag for some people, but if you're looking for something for a nerd, especially one who's very particular. You can't go wrong with a gift card.
1: Yeah. Amazon gift cards are kind of like gold because it really is. Then we're like, Oh, I can get this thing that I've had on my wish list forever.
3: Mm. I I feel that because I think shopping for nerds is, is difficult because what you you fall into the trap of either. I know this person likes star Wars. So they get you anything and everything that has star Wars slapped on it, um, which is very thoughtful and appreciate, you know, we appreciate it. Um, But you may or may not end up with something you you find useful or want to keep around. On the flip side, you you also have items that are extremely useful, um, but because they have, you know, some kind of nerd branding on them, maybe they're not able to be used. I'm a big fan. I think contrary to what it sounds like I'm saying, I think it's very easy to please nerds. Like I'm one of the like, you know, I like whatever Lord of the Rings, Star Wars T-shirts. Um yeah little t-shirts good. Mean, ner- we're we're infamous for like little tchotchkes and little like items that literally yeah they sit on our desks that's true that's what they do and we love them
2: yep now i don't <laughs> know about you guys but when somebody uh when i'm usually buying something that's got like a nerdy flair to it um i don't necessarily buy something let's say it's like star wars or something like, you know, I'm not necessarily buying something that's plastered with the star Wars logo or, you know, major characters or something that you see in like major marketing brand material. Usually the coolest stuff is kind of like the, the more subtle It's and subtly geek. Yeah.
1: It's,
3: yeah. it's
2: like, um, you know, I, I've seen shirts that have like Boba Fett sigil. Right. On them. Right. Where It's like, okay, if you're a star Wars fan and you know that level of stuff, you know, Oh wow. This person's
1: a star Wars fan. Right. You, know, it's you get it. A cool design. You either
3: get it or you don't. Well, right. and s- And it
1: sometimes identifies someone is not a really deep fan if they look like a tourist. So, I mean, if they come in wearing (laughs) Star Wars sweater with a Star Wars hat, like you're like, okay, you're kind of a kitschy Star Wars fan. Whereas, yeah, something subtle, like one of my favorite polos is it's just a navy blue polo and then it's got like a regular chest sized pocket protector emblem of the Rebel Alliance. So for me, it's like, hey, when I want to fight the empire and be business casual i wear that i wear that polo
2: (laughs) because you can totally do both but but i think i
1: think nerds appreciate things that are also unique so i've actually found a lot of success on etsy because it's not mainstream and you find stuff that is custom
3: and very very creative because the people who are making it are like us they Mm -hmm. know what we're looking for i was gonna say etsy is a fantastic place to go um
2: and they'll They'll oftentimes work with you too. If you contact the seller directly and be like, Hey, I see that you have this item, you know, could you potentially do something, you know, Lord of the Rings related on this item. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they'll work with you on that, which is super cool.
3: Yeah. There's a lot of options out there and and Etsy does not have to be expensive. You, you no, can find it some doesn't. great mm-hmm. stuff that's, that's very creative, very unique. Um, So, cause it's not something you're going to find on the shelf at target. Now that, you know, nerd stuff is pretty mainstream, honestly. And you can find stuff that's, that's very affordable. It's a great starting place for and, sure.
1: And you can feel good that you're supporting local business because yeah, you're true. you're not just throwing money into a big corporate giant. It's, it's someone who crafted this thing. Most of the time you, d- you do have some big stores that sell through Etsy, but most of the time it's someone who's making it in their home, which is really neat. Oh, that, that reminds me. I did come across this new website recently. Um, dadgumnerds.com. Oh, that really? has a store and you can get some really neat merch. <laughs> That is perfect for the dad who's a nerd.
3: You should probably check that out too.
1: Yeah. And and I mean, it's on a budget. You can get a nice t-shirt for like 15 bucks with shipping. So that's a, what a deal.
2: Yeah, man, that sounds fantastic. I should go and buy a shirt for all of my friends. What
1: was that website again, Zach dadgumnerds.com.
3: Ah, check (laughs) that out guys.
2: Oh man. And that store tab. That's the important part. Oh, y'all are hilarious. All right, guys, that is it. What did we learn today?
3: Uh, that I, there are many many antidepressants on the market <laughs> these days <laughs> I, uh, I
2: i learned that um zach is very passionate about how you spell the letter uh, how you uh, say the letter c especially when it comes to middle earth
3: we said kelle like 20 times before we got to this section. Your voice so.
2: broke during that, so I don't want to hear it.
3: <laughs>
2: Caleb Rimbor, <laughs> say it right.
1: I'm just glad, I'm just glad that the SAT didn't include those questions because I would have made a really poor score, apparently. <laughs>
2: you wouldn't have gone to college. <laughs> no. And I,
4: studied- I learned, uh, I learned that um, if I ever have a question about Lord of the Rings. I need to go to Aaron and Zach. I'll just uh, I'll just pitch it over to y'all.
1: Hey, and, uh, we'll, I'm we'll a be here, Mary but, and Pippin.
4: Oof, yo, guys. Happy to help.
3: Happy to help.
2: Well, to all of our listeners, thank you so much for listening today. I'm um, not going to leave you with a ton of closing thoughts tonight. Uh, just first, leave a review and a rating if you like the podcast, because we are aiming for Apple's new and noteworthy section, so do that Do if it. good um, Next, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Nerds uh as well fine and finally uh, be sure to visit dadgumnerds.com and while you're at it check out that merch store what a great that's idea you can find a great gift for your nerd dad of- uh, it also does help support the show which is really appreciated all right dad joke of the week Aaron, take it away
3: yeah guys so uh why was the lego lord of the rings game such a significant milestone
2: I don't know, Aaron. Why, Why? was it?
3: Well, because up to that point, the series had been Lego less.
0: Oh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, there you go. Oh, I, I, I will also point out, and I know we've talked about the Star Wars Lego games quite a bit. The Lord of the Rings Lego game is absolutely fantastic. It's on. It's on Target. Highly okay. recommended. One well, game if, you,
2: if you have a dad joke that you want to submit to the show, just go to dadgumnerds.com slash contact and send us one there. Yeah. Uh, we would love to use it on the show here. So, all right, Zach.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, Frodo's our, our way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Frodo's that was pretty... questions. Yep. Frodo's questions at us. Himalaya questions. <laughs> <laughs> If you would like to ask a question, Gimli would like to know. <laughs> I,
2: well, there's a couple extra on there now, but Zach, what's the pun count?
1: Uh, well, adding those two last minute ones, we are at uh, 18. Dang. Wow. Ooh. So strong episode. Strong. Dang, good
2: sir. Well, guys, that is all the time that we have. Again, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you later, dadgum nerds. See ya. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.
0: Game over.